lucky to hear that, but we are so blessed in this body to have Ted Hansen. I can tell you this year, God has done something in me personally, just to, just to recognize the gift that God has given us. Um, so to, for, yeah, it's just amazing. So God, we just ask you right now, the gift that you've given us through Ted Hansen, God, us as your body, as your bride, God, we just expect to be made more whole in you, closer to you, whatever you're doing with Ted Hansen, God, we just ask that you would impart that into us. Holy Spirit, just quicken our hearts and move on us as he's sharing to help us become more what you want in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I think I'll sit. I'll try to do a sit thing. Sit with you. Anyway, it's great to be here. I've been haven't been here in a couple of months. Uh, all of October, I was in Portugal for a few weeks, and uh, that was great. Went back to Portugal again in November. Uh, in November, I was uh, scheduled to meet with some pastors that I met with the last uh, earlier in the year. I met with sixty six pastors there. The, this time, a hundred and some pastors showed up. Got to prophesy over all of them. That was fun. And uh, in the, I was in the Netherlands. We now have three churches in the Netherlands we work with in Ada, Utrecht, and Holton. Saw lots of deliverances. A lot of demons come out of people, get gone. And maybe today, maybe we're getting rid of a few. Who knows? If you got one, you don't want to keep it. So just let it go. And we'll see what happens. And I was also in... Uh, uh, where we, oh, Northern Ireland saw Stephen Rita Walkton. Some of you remember Stephen Rita. And, uh, they're doing well in Northern Ireland and hadn't been there in a while. Uh, got to be in the house that I prophesied they would have. Uh, I'll tell you just this quick little story. A few years ago, I was with Stephen Rita in Northern Ireland, and they had a house for sale in England and wanted to buy a house in Northern Ireland. And uh, I said, okay, so have you found the house you want to buy? And they said, well, they're building houses right now. We would love to buy one of those. And so I said, well, take us, take me there. Show me the house. So we went to where they were building this house. We walked into the house. And I said, you'd like this house? They said, yeah, this is the house we'd like. I said, so if you sold your house in England, could you buy this house? Yeah, if the house in England sold, we could buy this house. And the house was for sale in England for like three years. Okay. So then I said, well, you know, I have a church in Wichita, Kansas that I had a dream of the church building. And uh, about uh, five or six years before they got this church building, I had a dream and God showed me the church. I saw it. And then over those five or six years, we went and found this church building. The pastor visited some meetings we were doing. He gave the church building to Pastor Derek and then didn't follow through with it. So he did that several times over the period of several years. And I was there uh, on a Sunday, uh, or several days, but on the Sunday, I, I said to him, let's go to this building. This has got to happen. So we went to the property, and I got out on the property, and I said to the property, all right, you've done a good job, but you're free now to be released from any covenants, from any oaths that have been made, no strings attached. I call you to serve Pastor Derek, but don't attach any strings to him. You will serve him. He will not serve you. And, I, and within a matter of hours, the deal was done and the building was finished. So I'm telling this story to Stephen Rita about their house. So, so I said, well, let's pray about your house. So we were in the living room and I said, the house is in England. We're in a living room in Northern Ireland in a, in a rental house. And so I say, okay, 
house in England. You've done a good job of taking care of Stephen Rita. You've served Steve's dad, Harold, while he was alive. You did a good job, but I release you now. You let go. You're free to go, and I call the new owners now to come and to purchase you. Six hours later, done deal, sold. So I got to sleep in the new house that they were building last time I was there. Long story there, kind of condensed up. But I want to let you know that God is not limited by space or time. And when God wants to do something, he can do it that quick. Okay. And so, and it wasn't anything religious, didn't seem super spiritual. It was just a out loud prayer, just being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, in July, I think it was, Pastor Jonathan and Danny challenged us to go and fast and pray to prepare for September, to maybe give up food, maybe give up something, social media, something, but to spend some time indulging in the last thing that God has spoken to you. Now, 2020, 2021, and 2022 have been amazing years for me. God has been speaking to me a lot. And so I went up to the mountains and literally to the mountains in July. And I decided to spend some time up in the mountains fasting and praying, just drinking water and just being out in nature, which I love. And I went up there and I said, God, okay, um, I'm going to indulge in the last thing you said to me, but you've been saying so much to me. What do you want me to indulge in? He said, well, 11 years ago, when the church was transitioned to Jonathan, I gave you a training camp. And some of you remember, we had a 35-acre training camp, uh, Anderson Creek Lodge, that was put into my hands. And it was like overnight. He said, what did you say when I did that? And I said, well, God, you're my friend. He said, yeah, then 18 months later, you lost it all. It didn't happen the way you thought. And you came to me and you said, what's the deal? And I said to you, how did you enter this thing? And you said, God, you're my friend. And I said, good, leave the same way you entered. So in July, God told me, he says, I want you to spend time indulging in me being your friend. So if you've been following my blogs, TED4YOU.com or TED4Leaders.com, you've been seeing me writing on God, my friend. I have a new book that's coming close. Tammy's been helping me. She's working hard, hard. <laughs> she has to work hard because she's a really good editor, and I need a really good editor to help me. But uh, she, uh, we're getting close to releasing. It's called Friendship with God, The Empowerment of Honor and Grace. And God's revealing to me that in 50 years of knowing him, the most important thing that I've come to know is that he's my friend. So I want to talk to you about that today. And I want to talk to you about he's not only my friend, he's your friend. He's your friend before you became his friend. He didn't become your friend because Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you because God was already your friend. God sent his only begotten son for you because he is the friend of humanity. When we didn't know him, he knew us. And he's always seen us for who we really are. Now, we are in a season where God is restoring our identities. He's redeeming us. He's 
putting us back in a right place. And so you've heard a lot about identity, but it's not just identity of individuals. It's also our identity as a family, our identity as the body of Christ. Do you understand that you are part of the body of Christ? We sang a song today about better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. That's Psalms 84. It's really a positive song, a psalm. And it's when it says one day is better than thousands, the Hebrew word for thousands there is actually a vain repetitious over and over and over and over again. And one day with the Lord is a day that never ends. It's not one versus a thousand. It's one of eternal life versus never really getting there again and again and again and again and again and again. So we don't rejoice because we come together to be the house of God. We rejoice because we are the house of God. That's why we come together. This building is not the house of God. You and I are the house of God. Okay, we're the place where he lives. Now, God is my friend. Meditating on God, my friend. At the beginning of the year, I love how Pastor Jonathan and Danny always challenge us at the end of the year to sum up the year and get a word for the new year. I love that. Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Danny, they want us to be authentic, to be real, to embrace what God is saying about us. Not just what he's saying to us, but what he's saying about us. How can we be members of the body of Christ, the family of God? Not the family that God just loves, but the family that God hangs out with. The family that God lives in and with. So at the beginning of the year, challenge was get a word for the year. My word for this year was 2022 will be a year of peace. Okay. At a time when Ukrainian war was about to break out, you know, and and all kinds of things were about to happen in the world. God told me this is a year of peace. Well, you know, I'm discovering that the more I realize he's my friend, I realize that's why I have peace. And peace is a celebration. Peace is always in the context of community. You can't have peace with God and not share it with your friends. The whole peace offerings of the Old Testament were about, I'm going to eat meat. Translated, that would be, I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to be the will of God. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my father. I'm going to do the will of my father. I'm going to be the will of my father. But an Israelite could not eat meat unless it was part of a peace offering. And that was not an offering to make peace. The Israelites never got that. They never understood that. Do you understand? Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles were meant to be feasts. Feasts, parties, celebrations, but they never were. Okay. And we tend to think, we tend to think sometimes when we call out for God, I'll tell you something that God wants us to exchange today. He wants us to give him our mourning. M O U R N I N G. Because he wants to give you a M O R N I G, a mourning. 
Did I get the N in there? I don't know. I think M-O-R-N-I-N-G. He, he wants to give us always a new day. And so we celebrate a peace offering not to make peace. It's a celebration because we have peace. So God is our friend. Now, in this present season of finding our identity, there's also an anointing oil that's being released. It's not the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's not biblical. If you look at it, Isaiah 10 says it's the anointing oil that breaks the yoke. If I pray for you and you receive a healing, you just might get sick again. Did you know that everybody that Jesus prayed for and got healed died? Everyone Jesus rose from the dead died again. Shoot, I thought it worked. It does work. The point of healing, the point of raising someone from the dead is not just to heal you or to raise you from the dead. It's to demonstrate to you that in every situation, God is there. And it always ends in life. It always ends in life. Now ends in life. The anointing oil is something that comes from the inside of you. Okay. In the summer, we like to do these grills, these barbecues. I do mine all year long because I cook on my grill. But uh, what comes on the grill, you put your piece of meat on the grill and what's inside the piece of meat comes out on the top of the meat and the flame hits it. It burns. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The grease, the fatness, the anointing oil. It's not what Christ is going to do for you today. It's how he's going to manifest from the inside out. Your friend is not interested in visiting your house. Your friend lives there. And his anointing oil breaks every yoke. And there's a particular anointing oil that's being released right now, and it's the cassia oil. You've heard a little about it. You should have heard a little about it. If you read my blogs, you've heard something about it. I think Pastor Jonathan's talked about it. But the cassia oil is a type of cinnamon, which means it's intimate, intimate life, presence. You can smell him. But it's an anointing oil that heals respiratory diseases. What is COVID? There are weapons that are formed against God's destiny in this hour, but God's destiny in this hour has more power because God's destiny is a power of love. Heals respiratory illnesses, spirit, soul, and physical. Your ability to... He gives breath. Your ability to breathe. <laughs> he heals digestive systems. While I was preaching this in, in Portugal, my translator was passing blood and she got supernaturally healed while translating my word 
on the cassia oil that heals digestive, your ability to process what brings life to your body, spirit, soul, and physical. Anything in your digestive, your ability to receive nutrients, to receive life from your friend. It also heals the ability to reproduce, to produce life, to birth new things. And the amazing thing of the cassia oil is it's a laxative. Which means it frees you from being constipated. Now, the spiritual church is constipated. What does that mean? There are things that happened in your life that didn't give you life, but you haven't been able to let them pass. You've gotten constipated. So in Jesus' name, the cassia oil today is freeing you from things that have gotten you constipated. Spirit, soul, and physical. We were laughing in Portugal because it seemed like the bathroom line got longer after we talked about the cassia oil. Okay. Now, in the Netherlands, when I talked about the cassia oil, we had a, a precious lady who came from uh, one of the, like the Jamaican islands. Her family line was in voodoo and that kind of stuff. She got lots of demons that left her because they were part of her constipation. And they, they left just while we were. And you know how it affected her? We were praying, and we're going to pray at the end of the service here on this. And as we were praying, uh, two of the ladies came over to me because I had everybody praying for one another, which we're going to do today. And as we were praying, two ladies said, oh, she's having a hard time breathing. And I said, okay, well, the cassia oil takes care of that. And I said, in Jesus' name, we speak to the breathing. The demons started coming out. And then we had another lady that we met with just in the living room with two other ladies, and she got free also in the same kind of thing. Now, so the cassia oil, it does many things. It stimulates blood full flow, brings strength to our joints, to our relationships. Have you had any relationships that were strained? Did you get injured in the joints of who you are? Did the body get injured in the joints? And in its inability to be flexible, maybe a little arthritis or rheumatism, spiritually, soulishly, or physically. The cassia oil heals joints. I love this. It also heals rashes and skin irritations. Have you had anything in the past few years that just really irritated you? Have you been politically irritated? Social media irritated. <laughs> Have you been irritated? Some kind of an irritation. Well, the present anointing oil of Christ in you is healing rashes, irritations, skin diseases, spirit, soul, and physically. Okay. And the anointing oil of the, the cassia oil also relieves anxiety and stress. You know, as I say these things, you can easily identify the weapons of the enemy fall in the categories of the things that I've just spoken about, whether you know God or not. <laughs> these are weapons that are in the atmosphere. 
You know, the enemy's not too smart. He's not as smart as God and he's not as smart as you. But he tends to practice maybe more than you sometimes because you forget who you are. And he's pretty secure in who he is. He's the enemy. And so he attacks us, but we are the antidote to the assignments of the enemy because we are the assignment of life. Now, so we're finding our identity. Now, I'm going to talk about this friendship with God in the context of this cassia oil. Our friend, God, is releasing an anointing oil from inside of us right now that's helping us find our true identity. Now, what is our true identity? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, this is what God says about you and me, male and female, Adam and Eve. He said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion. Now, that is the likeness and the image of God. God is fruitful, a multiplier, a filler, a subduer, and one who exercises dominion. So when we find our true identity in Christ, which includes us in Christ and Christ in us, when we find that true place, we become fruitful, we become blessers, multipliers, fillers, subduers, and dominion. Now, if you study the flood, you see the flood happened. A lot of people don't even know that. They don't believe that. Uh, however, it happened. There was, everything got changed. Everything is not as it was in its original creation. So if you're trying to figure out creation by looking at science, you're looking at the wrong thing. You cannot figure out creation by looking at creation. It's confusing. The only way you can figure out creation is by looking at the creator. Science doesn't look at the creator. They look at creation and try to figure out creation by creation. You cannot figure out your true identity by looking at yourself or any other human being or anything that's created. You cannot discover who you are by looking at anything that has been created because you are a one and only creation. The only place that you can find who you really are is to look to your creator. Although the rock has some similarities, and it's not because it doesn't speak, because it really does speak, and only the scrutinists see that it does give off some kind of energy. Okay, But creation is a witness to the creator. You can only become who you really are when you attach to your creator. He's not, you know, he, he's not the one who used to be the creator. And then he stopped. No, he's the creator. That's how, that's how he can take anything that any enemy intends for evil and turn it for good in your life. Because he's a creator. The prophet Isaiah says, behold, 
Hansen translation. Hi, look, look at it. Here it is. Check it out. He created it now, not from the beginning, but now. He's still creating. You don't want your old dream. It's got, it's got devil spit all over it. It's been chewed on. It's been bit on. You know, it's like, you know, the cat lost his toy. The dog took it. The dog chewed on the toy. You don't want the toy back. It's got dog spit on it. The cat needs a new toy. You don't want your old dream. You want an intimate relationship with your friend, the dream maker. When he says, I redeem it, it doesn't mean he gives you the old thing back. It means he gives you what the original would have been in a new way. He's doing it today in this very room. Originals are being given back. Ha! The law of seven is being enforced on the enemy. Wherever the enemy has stolen from you, sevenfold is being returned. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to get seven? No. It means whatever you would have done with the original, you will do with what he gives you now. Seven is perfection. I also enforce the law of double. Double doesn't mean you get twice. Double means you get the original. If an, if an enemy steals your sheep that has some blemishes on it, and the law of double gets enforced on the enemy, what the enemy has to do is he has to get you a sheep that doesn't have any spots, any blemishes, any wrinkles, and it's got to become yours, and it's original, so you don't get the old one back. You get a brand new, better than ever before. That's the law of double. The law of seven is whatever you would have done with it in the beginning, you won't be limited. You'll do the fullness of everything that God intends you to do. The law of double is if you had an original taken, God gives you an original better than before. I'm saying that because God is prophetically doing something today. He's, he's making some new things. Dream maker, our friend, is doing some things. So we were created in the likeness and image of God. To be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion. Now, if you study the flood, after the flood, God said this to Noah. Be fruit, Genesis 9, verse 1. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill. He did not say subdue and have dominion. Because it's impossible to subdue and have dominion without being the place that God lives without being in the likeness and image of God, you can't subdue and have dominion. Because to subdue is to destroy death with life. And dominion is to crumble every lie with truth. To become the real you. How is that possible? One day, our friend God said it's time. And the expression of our friend God, the Word, became a human being and moved into the neighborhood. And he was full of grace, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And he was full of truth. He wasn't a lie, wasn't a pretense. He was authentically a giver of life.
He was authentically an expression of the likeness and the image of God in human form. And he came as that gift, not so that you would just go to heaven when you die, but so that heaven could get into your life right now. Even though you might be living in hell. And because heaven can get into your life right now in hell, your hell is going to turn to heaven. You see, the issue was not God's world. The issue was our world. God wants us to be in the likeness and image of him. Now, let's see if I can get back on track in a couple of notes. <laughs> God's, God's always wanted a family, so he wants us to know him in an intimate way. He wants each of us to know him as our friend. In Genesis chapter 3, we won't post it up here, but it's 8 through 11, you have a story of after man makes the mistake. Man chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of a trust relationship with his friend, God. And when that happened, it didn't stop God from being our friend. It says in Genesis 3, beginning at verse 8, it says that God came at the cool of the day into the garden and he said, Adam, Adam, Adam. Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you at? Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam said, we heard you coming and we were afraid. You see, that means Adam didn't know who his friend was. And we were ashamed because we were naked. And we hid ourselves. And so God says to Adam and Eve, who, who told you you were naked? Now, do you think God knew what Adam and Eve had done? But it didn't shake. It didn't move God. It didn't change his mind about anything. Interesting thing. You know, I like to wake up in the morning. You know me. My, this morning, I did a six-mile run this morning. I woke up saying hi to God. I did six mile running and put some worship music on and did some praying while I was running. And that's pretty much my normal day. So I begin my day with God. But my friend has showed me that he ends his day with me. In the cool of my day, he comes and says, how'd it go? You doing good, son? Tell me, what did we buy today? You see, my friend doesn't want to be in control of my life. He wants to be involved in my life. And sometimes my friend, listen to this, sometimes my friend doesn't listen just so I can tell him. <laughs> Hmm. See, religion wants to blame him for being sovereign 
the Greeks said he's got to out-trump every other god. He's got to be omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscious. He's got to know all things, be all-powerful, and be everywhere present. But I don't find that biblically that's true. Because he made my free will stronger than his will. Did you know that there's a man, the very first man that gave an offering to God, surprised God? Abel gave an offering of the first and the best, and it says God respected his offering. You should look at that Hebrew word. It means that God was nonplussed. He was speechless. For a good English idiom, he was gobsmacked. He couldn't believe Abel had done it because there was no law. And God didn't tell him to do it. Abel surprised God. God is so secure, he chooses not to know some things so that you can surprise him. Your friend loves to be surprised. Do you like to be surprised? With good things. Right? Well, you know, that nature to like to be surprised with good things. Christmas is coming. Kids get it at Christmas time. They want to be surprised with good things because not, not enough bad things has happened to destroy their hopes. But today's a day of exchange. Today's a day to get rid of some constipation. Some of our hopes have been dashed. And, and we don't know the joy of Christmas. God wants to surprise you with good things. And he wants you to surprise him. God commanded Moses to make a tent. But David decided just to make one because the tent that God had commanded them to make had been despised because the tent was a place for God's presence. And the people of God lost God's presence. And the presence of God was missing from the temple that God commanded Moses to make for 20 years, and no one seemed to care. Until David showed up, and David said, well, there is that tent you commanded to make, God, but that's not any good because you don't live there. So David decided on his own to make a tent. God did not tell him to do it. It was David's idea. And God said, I like it. You're a man after my own heart. David had every reason not to think that way because he could have been drowned in shame. But he didn't let shame take him out. He didn't let shame stop him from seeing that God was his friend. So he pitched a tent. Does God remember your sins? He doesn't. The only ones that remember your sins are you, the people you tell, and the demons you keep reminding God doesn't remember your sins, your lawless deeds. He remembers them no more 
forever. But he knows all things. Oh, he, he knows the, the hairs on your head. You know, that is not a context of fact. That's a context of care. You have to read your scripture in context. Don't take verses out of context. They become weapons then that you use to kill yourself and kill one another. The context is, it's an idiom. Paul says to the captain of the ship, trust me, do what I say, and I promise you not a hair in your head will be lost. I'm pretty sure Captain Dan lost a hair. I think a board hit him on the head and a hair fell out in the water on the way as the boat was going down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I've lost a couple just out in the woods a couple of weeks ago, bunked my head. I'm pretty sure I lost a hair. The term is not, I know all the hairs on your head, but in fact, it's I know all the, I care for you this much. I care for you. It's an idiom. Get it? <laughs> it's not a fact. It's an idiom. He could care less about 1,055 or 903. He cares about you. So not a single hair on your head will be lost. He cares about you. You can live without number 1,005 <laughs> or 903. I mean, look at Jonathan. He's living without all of his. Come on. There's a few of you. And so is God everywhere present? The psalmist said, where can I go? And you are not there. Okay. If I go to hell, you are there. He said, does God live in hell? I'm going to propose to you. If he lives in hell, you're going to need to change the name on the door. Because God is life. So he does not live in hell. What did the psalmist say? The psalmist said, where can I go? and you are not there. That's biblical because nothing can separate you from the love of God. So God chooses not to live. He could live anywhere. He could live everywhere, but he chooses to live with the psalmist. What does that mean? If I go to hell, you are there. What's going to happen? I will raise from the dead. That's what Jesus did. Nothing could separate him from the Father's love. So when Jesus went to hell, as David said, if I go to hell, you are there. Guess what? The grave could not hold Jesus. Why? God was there. So the terms are relational with your friend. God's always wanted a friend. In Genesis 5.24, God walked with a guy named Enoch. Enoch means dedicated Enoch was 365 years old and when he was just a pup, you know, because his, his son lived to be 969 years old. Uh, but he, he was just a pup in those days of 365, I think. And he, he, he didn't die. Oh, man, that messes with theology because everybody's supposed to die. But he didn't die. He just went to God's house. And it says of him, he walked with God. He knew God as his friend. God knew Enoch as his friend. Enoch's son, Methuselah, lived 969 years. His name means man of the javelin, which is good spiritual warfare. If you trace out his days, 
He died the year of the flood. He probably died the day before the flood. Because I bet you the flood couldn't come until God's friend Enoch's son died. (laughs) So God's friend, who's with God, is also the one who released a heritage through a guy named Noah, which means rest. And by the way, Noah didn't rest. God rested in Noah's life. Your friend wants to rest in the earth. Your friend wants to rest in Ferndale, in Linden, in Whatcom County, in Bellingham, Skagit County, in the islands. Your friend wants to rest in your life. You can, several in the notes, I'm just going to accelerate this up and we're going to close it off, but uh, Abraham, friend of God. Abraham, matter of fact, it says that Jacob could seek God, Israel could serve God because Abraham was the friend of God. God didn't want Israel to serve him. He didn't want Jacob just to seek him. He would have preferred Jacob was a friend of God and Israel was a friend of God. But thank goodness, Abraham was God's friend because it enabled his descendants to both seek him and serve him. I seek God. But I don't just want to be a seeker of God. Because if I'm a seeker of God, it implies I'm not satisfied with today. And in one sense, I'm not, because there's always more, but it always ends up being, God, when are you going to? God loves seekers. But he loves friends who seek him. Serving him. I want to serve him. I don't want to serve him because I'm trying to serve him. I want to serve him because I'm his friend. I know he's my friend. Uh, Moses, God spoke to him face to face as one would speak to a friend. It says of Moses that he knew the ways of God. The children of Israel, they died in the wilderness because they only knew the works of God. Oh, did you know a friend doesn't need anything? My friend, God doesn't need anything from me. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives all things. He's my friend. He's always been my friend. When I didn't see who he was, he always has seen who I am. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives all things. A few years ago, I had a vision of myself standing on a bridge at 15 years old over flooded water thinking about jumping off. I remember that day. But in my vision a few years ago, I looked at, not at the water on the bridge, but I saw myself standing on the bridge and it was looking at me on the bridge 
from the water. And you know who was behind me? Jesus. And God said to me when I saw that a few years ago, before you believed in me, I believed in you. See, I tend to look at him from my need. He doesn't look at me from his need. He looks at me from his perspective as the one who gives life, gives breath, gives all things. Huh. Did you know that you are the likeness and the image of your dad? God is bringing you to a place of identity where you don't come to God because you need anything. And you don't come to one another because you need anything. It's been an interesting journey. I've been out on trips. I've been in situations where people needed something. I've been in situations that would formerly irritate me. And I've seen it as an opportunity to be a friend. I did, I've done a little hunting the last few months. And one day I was hunting early season elk. And a guy in the woods came out. He was hunting pheasant. His name was Glenn. 80 years old with his dog. And I struck up a conversation with Glenn. And he said, my wife died four years ago. And my dog died. And I wasn't sure about getting another dog because I probably died before the dog and then where's the dog going to go? But I bought this dog because my daughter likes dogs too. And she said, if anything happens to me, she'll take the dog. I didn't hunt this morning because I had a prayer meeting with some men and I thought that was important. And I said, you know, that was very important. You chose wisely. I said, I've known Jesus for 50 years. That was wise. And then I went to say something about my story, and Holy Spirit said, do not tell him your story. Just be Glenn's friend. Listen to Glenn. So for about 30 minutes, I let Glenn tell me his story. Now, some of you know me, you know I'm not a huge dog lover, but I left that conversation with Glenn thinking, if anything ever happens to Bonnie, I just might get a dog. <laughs> I'm not saying I will. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I'm just, I'm just saying when I was. I was Glenn's friend. Did you know that you are a piece of God to somebody? Did you know that everyone in the world needs to know who God is? He's their friend. <laughs> and when you know who he is, you believe him. He's not going to be your friend. He is your friend. He's the friend He's not the friend of sin, but he is the friend of sinners. He doesn't want us to love the ways of the world, but he wants us to love the world. 
God loves the world. He doesn't love the ways of the world. He doesn't hang out with sinners so that he can become like them. He hangs out with them because he knows he's a giver. And if he hangs out with them, what he gives will change who they are. And he's not threatened by them changing him because he never disconnects from his connection. See, as long as we're connected to our friend, we can be a friend to others. I can't help. Sorry. By the way, that may sound weird to you, but if I could get everybody on the planet to be that simple, it's the most important thing I ever do. You know why it's the most important thing I ever do? It's God's gift to keep me stupid. Because the biggest problem we have is we think too much. It's a new covenant gift. I was doing it in Portugal and Siri came on and said, I'm sorry, I can't find in your playlist. <laughs> she did. Seriously, she came on, she repeated it perfectly. So I'm sorry, I can't find that in your playlist. <laughs> well, it's in there. Okay. See, keep it simple. Keep it connected to your friend. Well, what does that mean? It means you don't need to know. You just need him. When Paul said, when he, Paul said it's better to prophesy than it is to speak in a tongue, he was saying it's better to give life to somebody else than just get life yourself. But then he says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I wish that word in the Greek means I have determined to do everything I possibly can to make it happen. It isn't, oh, I wish. See, in America, we say, I wish. What we really mean is, oh, it probably won't happen, but I wish it would. Okay. You ought to follow my blogs to get to rest, but I want to do a little activation. Okay. Uh, if you haven't been following my blogs, look at both the Wednesday and the Monday blogs. Connect, read them. You can listen to them. They're audio. I do audio um, as well, so you can multitask. And my new book's coming out soon. Uh, but I want you to know God is your friend. So I, I think I'd like uh, for us to, can, can I do this, Pastor? Break into team groups of three or four people in a group. Find somebody, dare to do this, okay? And if you don't dare to do it, somebody dare to do it to them, just go and pray for them. You, don't, you, you can pray or you can receive whatever, but just find somebody, yeah, three or four. And I, I want to I just pray that our friend, that we discover our friend in a new way, Okay. So break in, in groups. You, you've expected me to be sharing with you, so now it's your turn to share with one another. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through this. Very good. Come on. All right. So I am growing to understand that God is my friend. 
when everything looks like supernatural success, he's my friend. When everything looks like total failure, he's my friend. He doesn't need anything from me. He gives life, he gives breath, and he gives all things. And in this season, he wants us to know him for who he really is. He's our friend who happens to be, you know, do you need a savior or would it be better to have a friend who has the ability to save? Do you need a deliverer or would it be better to have a friend who just happens to have the ability to deliver? Do you need a healer or would you rather have a friend who just happens to have the ability to heal? You see, he's our friend who can do all the things that we need. But this morning, we're not coming to him because we need anything, although he can't help himself. He's going to (laughs) give. We're coming to him because he's our friend and we can. All right. So first off, I'm praying if there's any shame on anyone, if if you did something stupid, wonderful. It proves you're not the creator. It proves you need a friend. If you've made a mistake, you need a friend. And God sees who you are, and he's coming to you as a friend. Okay? So now, I'm going to pray. I want you just to, to release whatever's in you. Touch touch shoulders, hands, whatever. Not just whatever. <laughs> Just put your hands where you can. Okay, and I'm going to pray. And then I want you just to, to whatever you feel to pray for one another. If you get a word of knowledge or pray something, but I'm going to pray releasing of the cassia oil that our friend is releasing so freely right now from within us. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. That You are at the right hand of the Father. You are resurrection life. You are life that cannot die. And Father, you are our friend who loves us. And we welcome you right now in this room. We release the anointing oil of your presence that heals every respiratory illness, physical, emotional, spirit. The breathing be restored right now in Jesus' name for digestive systems to be healed, spirit, soul, and physically, to be able to process food, to receive life, to be able to receive life, to be able to process that life, to be able to become life in Jesus' name. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, right now with this cassia oil that heals reproduction that allows us to see new things birthed in our lives that allows there to be a birthing of new dreams of new visions of of new fruit in jesus name spirit soul and physically we release your anointing oil to free us from any constipation things that happened that had a value in them but there's no value to retain them let them pass now in jesus name spirit soul and physically In Jesus' name, we speak healing to joints, to relationships, spirit, soul, and physical right now. 
that joints will be healed right now in Jesus' name. We speak that, that anything that has affected our mobility, our flexibility, our ability to jump, our ability to run, our ability to move forward in Jesus' name. Joints be healed, spirit, soul, and physically in Jesus' name. Irritations, rashes, things that have irritated us, affected us, and allowed us to be distracted by things that, that bother our skin, bother us on the surface, bother us to distract us. In Jesus' name, be healed, spirit, soul, and physically. Anxiety and stress be gone in Jesus' name. Now, just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whatever thoughts you might have, just begin to pray for one another. Just release life to one another.